you guys hear this with every podcast uh like subscribe all of that on youtube and everything but you guys it really does mean something so if you guys can take the time after you hear this episode or just pause it do me a favor go to itunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now and rate us leave us a comment everything helps with the algorithm i feel that we're doing an important message here by talking to veterans and letting them share their stories we're not talking to the most out there veterans some of the big names who get their messages out fairly easy we're talking to the average guy for the most part and anything you can do to help us promote the show would help out a lot so please take the time if you like this show rate us if you hate this show rate us but leave us a comment all of that helps with any of the algorithms itunes spotify just to get our show promoted a little bit more thank you on today's episode i talk with dan mason dan was a marine in my unit when we went to iraq dan has a great story about being a reservist and dealing with some stuff when he came home I have to tell you guys though, sadly, there was a lot of a breakup because we were using Zoom and so some of the audio didn't quite come through as clean as we wanted. So hopefully you guys will enjoy this episode and I apologize for the audio issues. Thank you. And so I'm back with one of the guys I deployed with and my buddy, Dan Mason. Uh, Dan deployed with me to Iraq in 2007. And he um, was one of the Miami Scouts, as we called them. So let's get right into it, Mr. Miami Scout. You, you were a Marine. You're a, were you a tow gunner or were you an 11? Tow gunner, 0352. Okay. By the, the way, that MOS isn't even around anymore. It's an 0351. And for the last time I checked, tanks outside of uh, the reserve units don't exist either anymore either. I have no clue, honestly. Yeah, the, apparently the Marine Corps is getting yeah, rid of all of its tank battalions. Oh, yeah. So anyways, let's get started. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about you from the beginning. So where did you grow up? In Florida? Palm Beach. Um, I was born at Good Samaritan Hospital in West Palm. So South then, Florida. Uh, up, yeah, pretty much grew up in Palm Beach Gardens, Jupiter. Okay. So, were you athletic, or what? What drove you to want to get into the to go in the Marine Corps? Well, my father's retired Army. My uh, grandfather was uh, in the Navy. Uh, uncle, my, my whole family's pretty much all military. Okay, so did you know from an early age that that was the path you were going to take? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the only thing that uh, derailed me a little bit was uh, I already knew I was screwing up in high school. And then at the end of high school, um, right when I was getting ready to actually reenlist, I ended up uh, fucking around with some uh, some friends and I ended up uh, uh, fracturing my skull. I got a de- de skull, uh, depressed skull fracture above my left eye. Uh, yeah, that's where the beautiful scar came from that, nice. that you all know. Um, so actually the military, which is being funny, uh, God bless the, the, the Marine Corps or fucking stupid recruiters or the way the military ran was ran. They made me wait five years because I had a plate and a screw to clear a medical waiver. So I wasn't able to join for five years after the head injury. Oh, so you didn't go in until you were what, 23, 22? Mm-hmm. 25. Oh, 25. Damn. 
Okay, yeah, I didn't realize you were. I didn't realize you were that much older than most of the guys that we went over there with. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. I, mean, I, I, I aged well. Well, you did age mature. well until now. Um, but that being said, <laughs> I think I yeah I knew that you were slightly older than most of the guys. I just didn't realize you were that much older. Um, Flores, who I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, Flores looked like a baby when he was out there. Same with uh, Perez. They both look like little kids in uniform. Oh, yeah. Perez, Little Digi. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Little Digi. Little Digi big time. Um, yeah. I, I think his I think his M16 was taller than he was. Pretty much was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to put extra insults in his boots to, you know, make it look like he was. Yeah. So you had to be this much higher to ride the rifle. So mm -hmm. that being said, um, let's talk about how was boot camp or how was your enlistment process when you went back and you got your waivers and stuff? Uh, so was it cut and dry or? No, it actually took a while. It actually uh, really was really actually depressing. It really pissed me off because I ended up going into the delayed entry program uh, because I had to clear all my medical waivers. And then after the first like five years had already passed, I was gung ho ready to go. I was actually engaged and I still wanted to go. And uh, lo and behold, like right when I was getting ready to go, recruiters, oh, no, I'm sorry. We need to take another test. Oh, we need another CAT scan. We need to definitely make sure. And they pushed it almost another year before I even went to boot camp. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is, no, this a, is all out of your pocket. Yeah, and this is all out of your pocket to get all these tests, right? The military. No, no, no. At least MEPS, MEPS was actually doing it, but I had to go to the doctors that did the surgery from St. Mary's Hospital, get the documentation. And even my doctor wrote, like, he is 100% completely fine. He's been fine for years. It was just a simple skull, uh, skull fracture. We only do the surgery from ear to ear because it avoids uh, nerve damage above the eye. Oh, okay. Um, okay, that makes sense. Nowadays, that's that. Nowadays, that uh, that surgery is done like this. Oh wow! So yeah. you've had another surgery then, another head injury? No, no. I mean, no, I'll talk, no. I'm I'm joking with you. <laughs> totally messed up. Oh, I know, I know. But so, um, being a 25 year old and finally, well, first off, were you guaranteed a tow gunner, or were you? Yes. Just kind of going into the job because you went did you go usmcr right off the bat yes. or did you go did you did you ever want to go active duty yes okay yeah so, i um i originally was going to go active duty but because of all the they kept pushing my medical waivers back they gave me an open contract with a chance to go active duty at the end of soi or still join the reserve unit down in miami and okay. by having my FedEx, and since they had pushed it so long now, now I've actually been with FedEx for a little over a year. Uh, me and my buck and Beyonce were totally dissolved. Fuck it, it was over. Uh, I was definitely still pushing for um, for um, active duty, but then FedEx gave me a couple raises, got to meet the Miami uh, unit, and uh, after SOI, I decided to say forget it, and um, I, you know, I just went reserve, and okay. knowing that we're activating any uh, eventually anyway. So um, let's talk about boot camp. Twenty-five year old, um, been through hell basically to get to boot camp. What was yeah. uh, what was stepping on those yellow footprints like? Um, 
to be completely honest, and I, I can't lie, everybody everybody knows how I used to run my style and how I am. I'll tell you the truth. The first probably two days in boot camp, I was hungover. <laughs> um, that is not a good thing. But I mean, yeah. you got. Gotta... Yes, <laughs> I guess it had to be a little weird for you too, because a sergeant back then was probably right around your age. So you are even younger. Yeah, you had Giovanni picked up sergeant when we were deployed at twenty four, I think. So you had some drill instructors yelling at you who may have been younger than you mm -hmm. or your same age. So how how was that as a uh, as a check? It actually kind of cool uh, my drill instructors are actually pretty good to me at first i mean of course you know they they haze the shit out of me i got i got worked really hard but you know i've always been in pretty good shape so my pft's always been really pretty solid so that kept them off me but when uh they actually got to talk to me for a bit and then they uh, looked into it and they actually had found out like how long i had waited to join and that like of course you know my scar and everything they of course they asked me one of my nicknames was robocop because of the way the scar went yeah, it was pretty nice, but they actually liked it a lot because even though I was 25 going to 26 in boot camp, I was, um, oh, I'm sorry. When I actually went in, I was trying to get in at 25, but then they pushed it back another two months. So I ended up going in right after my 26th birthday. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but when my PFT was actually really good that a lot of times the drill instructors would look at me and they would like look at all the younger recruits that are you know 18 to 20 and they'd be like what the fuck is your problem this guy's been through fucking medical procedures he's seven years older than you and he's PTing the fuck out of you you guys suck so then they gave they, uh, some of the drill instructors gave me pretty good respect because they were like hey look man you fought this long to get in you know way to go so was a uh, were you west coast or east coast oh it's east coast baby paris island oh nice. Platoon what time? bravo baby <laughs> What uh? What time of the sorry, year did you go? Holy shit! Oops. I was probably <laughs> What time of the year did you go over to uh to the swamp? Uh oh 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 uh, oh five. No, I mean what I what part of the what part of the year? Uh oh, I went in um very beginning of uh towards the end of spring. Okay, so you got the summer. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The end, the end of fall, going into spring. I went in the very beginning of March. Okay, okay. So you didn't, you, yeah, you didn't I have actually, to deal with the I tried to leave earlier, and when I mean a shit show, they kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back everything. So, talk to me about. Um, I have to ask everyone this because to me it's yeah. hilarious. But what was your reaction in the gas chamber? Uh, I actually, I actually didn't mind it. It cleared out my pores and shit. And you know, my sinuses, I actually took it pretty well though. I wasn't one of the ones that freaked out. Uh, I took it pretty well. And then, you know, several years later, of course, I went to the police academy for shits and giggles. And I'll tell you what, the pepper spray in the police academy was way worse than the OCS gas in, in Paris Island. Oh, right. I didn't on. think that OCS gas in Paris Island was shit, honestly. Right on. So, um, you, I'm assuming you graduate boot camp without any issues. Get through it. Oh, no, no. I was actually, they, they had me as like one of the second most improved recruits and they were just like, no, Mason, you're solid. So um, did your, did your family come up for graduation? Uh, my father drove down from Ohio. Uh, he didn't bring my dog. He left my dog. Uh, and my brother-in-law, who was a sergeant first class in the army, and my sister, who was retired Coast Guard, came to Paris Island to see me. 
Oh, nice. And that was it, family. Nice. So you uh, you actually had a group of people there to support you then? Yeah, three people. Then I take it you went to SOI, which was... Er. Uh, was that up in Lejeune? Yeah, it's Camp Geiger. Yeah. Which is Camp Lejeune. Yeah, Corman Goat. The way, the way I describe it, it would be like Camp Lejeune's the high school and uh, Camp Geiger's the middle school right next door. Yeah, and uh, Camp Johnson, where the Corman Go do their thing, is, I think, in the same area as Geiger, if mm. I remember right. So uh, you get through all of your SOI. I'm assuming no issues there. Uh, no, actually, SOI, I was a platoon leader and a scribe. Nice. And then I had Buddy Taylor become scribe for me, and I was platoon leader until the very end. When uh, I remember it was Nippers, I think it was, and he goes, Mason, I thought you were going active duty. What's this bullshit? I heard you're switching to reserves. And I told him, I was like, hey, I already got a job. You piece of shit. You're relieved of your fucking duty. Uh, you know, we and he gave it to my rack mate. He gave it to my rack mate, Catherine. And, uh... So, you know, I totally realized we, for, we skipped over a huge subject. We went straight to boot camp. So, um, you were 26 in boot camp, so you were what 17, 18 on 9 11? No, I was um, or 20, sorry, 19 or 22. 20. 22. 22. So, 22. I remember uh, my ex was stu uh, studying at Stetson at the time, and I just remember waking up. My dad runs over, throws guns on my bed, and he goes, We're under attack. And I'm like, What the fuck? I was hungover as hell from working the night before, and my ex left me several several messages. Oh my god, blah blah blah. So yeah, I was uh, 22. So did did that encourage you, or did that like kind of piss you off that you should have been in the Marine Corps already? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the thing was too is my ex. Uh, the whole time I was with her, she she knew I was trying to go military the whole time. And uh, she always had this nightmare of, oh, I had this dream that you died. I had this dream you died. You know, you got killed, like, blown up. I don't know. Like, remember when I saw you on October 3rd, 2006, when you came up to me in the chow hall and you were like, hey, fucking with me? And I'm like, dude, not right now because I just went through that first IED blast. Yeah. I actually thought about her when that actually happened. Oh, okay. When that big fire in my face and I was like, oh, my God, she was right. And. That's uh, crazy. So that was kind of like my point because I wanted to and my dad, even when he was throwing me guns. So when I'm watching 9-11, then I'm going to the recruiters again and I'm like, Are you, you got to be fucking kidding me, you know? And I'm and just like you understand, you see some of the people that get in and then I'm looking at myself and you know me and I'm like, you took that over me. <laughs> Sounds about <laughs> right, though. So let's jump back. So now you're a Marine. You've gone through SOI and you get uh, released from active duty. What was it like going back to FedEx after all that time away? Um, it was different. It was weird. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, the expression, you know, young, dumb, and full of cum. And uh, I was definitely cocky, even though I ain't done shit. But it felt pretty good. It was what I needed. And uh, the second I joined the reserve unit, I knew they were activating immediately. So I was like, hey, let's get let, get me on here. Let's get this out. You know, I want it done. Uh, and I already knew a lot of shit that was happening because remember my boys from uh, Geiger, my, my platoon from SOI, remember they were already over there. We were relieving them. 
So they were already feeding me information. And right, that's when right. my Cawthorn and Winslow and my orga, they got killed. So I already had the information passed on to us. That's why I wanted to jump on immediately. And that's where me and Bandura kept clashing heads to, and uh, even cap a couple of times. Mason, shut the fuck up. You don't know anything. And then all of a sudden when we were all like uh, Lejeune training for the workup, holy shit, Mason, how'd you know? I don't know. <laughs> so tell me, it was, um, it was weird. How, how did that, uh, how did that break over with your family about, uh, you're going to go, you're going to go to, um, you're going to deploy. Uh, my dad, my dad's really like, my dad's there, but he's not there kind of. Um, he's been like that pretty much my, even though he raised me, he hasn't been there my, my childhood, especially after he remarried when I was 13, I basically had my own apartment since I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. It sounds great, but no, everybody's at your house and you know, it, yeah, it, it sucks. Looking back now, it was probably one of the worst parenting things you fucking could do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, my dad was all right. My sister from the Coast Guard, Chris, she was she was okay. She you know she's been distant because my two of my older sisters are like ten plus years older than me, so we don't, we're not always connecting. My brother didn't really say much. My adopted sister Joy was five. She was raising my dog in Ohio. She didn't um, she didn't really have anything. And my other little sister, she was just basically you know uh, stay safe, all that stuff. Uh, my mom, when I actually deployed, I had my brother call my mom from Orlando and he would make a couple second conversation. I don't know if you remember, but my mom never knew I was overseas. No, I didn't. Yeah. She freaks out. Did you? She'll freak out. She freaked out when I was going to boot camp. How did you manage to hide that from her? She ended up finding out like six months into the deployment that I was over there. My oldest sister, Chris fucking told her. I was going to say, how did she not know? Oh, because my brother, Mike and I, we sound just alike on the phone. So when he would call from Orlando and she knew that's where I was living before I deployed, he would call him and make a quick phone call. Like, Hey, I just want to say, hi, I can't talk right now. I'm busy. I love you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, no. So, um, what was your typical drill weekend like then as you guys were getting ready to deploy? Um, I only had like six drills before we activated. And it was pretty much a lot of like, we would just show up on, you know, on, you know, the weekend, of course. And I actually, they'd actually put me in tow platoon and scout platoon was already formed and getting ready for the deployment. And then, so my uh, tow platoon was actually kind of funny because they didn't give a shit. And a lot of the guys had just come back from deployment. And I had, they put me in tow for some fucking reason. And then I, I forget it was Alvarez or I don't know, one of them popped positive for cocaine. Oh, and you're from got, Miami. Go figure. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> they got kicked out of school. So it was so funny because everybody knew, like, Sam's, Bichelli, and all that. They knew I wanted to be in the deployment, and so did Stone. So when they kicked it out, I remember I got the call from Padmore, that piece of shit. Fucking trying to act like, oh, listen, you've been trying to dodge. Uh, or no, Master Sergeant or Bayonet, whatever the fuck his name was. I'll remember. Benoit or whatever. Oh, you've been trying to dodge, Mason. You've been trying to dodge. And I go, uh, I'm sorry, sir, but if you... Uh, Sorry, uh, first sergeant. I'm like, but if you call Stone, my section leader, he'll tell you I'm not trying to dodge at all. Talk to Padmore, my platoon sergeant. I didn't want to be until I want to be in scout. Oh, okay. You're in scouts now. There you go. And then it was basically two weeks, the last two weekends before we activated. uh, There really wasn't much training. It was pretty much, hey, uh, let's form up. 
do a little PT. And then it was, Hey, let's go to Chili's and, and have some drinks. I mean, I'm not kidding. I even got along with Digivani for a while. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We had a, we had some interesting characters in our, uh, in our platoon. So, yeah, I love them all, but you know, yeah, but, um, back then it was a little bit different. So let's, let's talk about, uh, your mob. So you guys got mobilized and had no corpsman. Until we got you guys. Yeah. So you, okay. So you guys, um, what did you guys, so I didn't join the unit till we got to 29 bombs. Uh, so what did you guys do between that day that you guys get mobilized? Cause it's a lot different with Navy reservists being mobilized. We go to this processing station and sit there for two to three weeks to a month. And then we hook up with the Marine mm -hmm. unit. But I know from watching uh, the recon battalion mobilize, it, they like, here's your orders. Come, come in tomorrow at zero six and we'll start training. So how much time did you spend in Miami before you guys went to Lejeune? Um, that you remember? Two weeks. And then you... Because I remember, because I, I started off the deployment, I started off the activation as a, as a shit bag. Because me and um, me and Milagro showed up late uh, for the, the, the very first, uh, like we got activated. And then we had, we, we, we reported for the first week. And then when the second week started and we're trying to get everything ready for Lejeune, I went to a fucking wedding and I remember I told Tran about it and Tran was my, uh, my, uh, my NCO. And I remember telling Tran about it and I go, Hey, look, can I come in at noon? And he didn't relay it to anybody do I Yoki. So basically when Monday morning came around, where the hell's Mason at? And, oh, yeah. That was, uh, uh, once again, young, dumb, full of cum, and fucking that was something I shouldn't have done, but it was one of my best friend's weddings, and I remember I got fucking shit-faced the night before, and then the next two weeks, I pretty much was on shit detail till we went to Lejeune, and I lucked out because I broke my fucking toe kicking Sheffield, and then me and Dalton uh, were on medical hold because sta uh, Ca Caballero accidentally stabbed uh, Dalton in the arm. Oh, <laughs> you remember that shit? Uh no, actually, I don't, because I wasn't there for that part of it. So, oh, that's guess, right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is all like right before we went to Lejeune. Fucking um, Dalton was supposed to be our pretty boy lead gunner, and fucking uh, Cab was fucking around with his K bar and went to like hand it back to fucking uh, went to hand it back to him and fucking split Dalton's whole tricep like terrible. Like he had multiple surgery. I was fucking nasty. Damn. I'm not even gonna. Yeah, we'll just leave that one there. Um, so yeah. you guys get you guys get to Lejeune, and then at some point in time, you Ray connects with you, uh, Casas. Yeah. So you guys are training with that asshole. Uh, he is an asshole, but uh, you at some point in time, you guys hook up with our what I would call our parent command, Bravo Company Second Tracks. Mm -hmm. Did you guys spend a lot of time training with them? Or were you guys pretty, they were doing one thing, you were doing another thing? Man, I can get as drunk as I want, do as many drugs as I want, and I don't think our training made any sense. Yeah. It was I mean, just like I felt, I felt a lot of it was when we were at certain bases, being a reserve unit or whatever Verdura wasn't doing or whatever, it almost felt like we were an inconvenience. To the active duty where they were like, oh God, the reserves are here to train. I don't know, fucking put them over there or something. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's why I was glad I broke my toe because Dalton and I had one of the government vehicles. And when they went off to do their stupid little trade, uh, Dalton and I would just go cruise around Lejeune. So one of the things that made our unit so unique or our platoon so unique was the simple fact that we had no officers. Mm-hmm. We, we literally had no parental supervision. Our highest ranking person was Verdura, who was a staff sergeant. So an E6 uh, leading this platoon into Fallujah. So at some point in time, you guys leave, um, you guys leave Lejeune and that's where I made up with you guys in 29 Palms to do what our uh, final like six weeks before we deployed. That went um, to go to Camp Wilson and then we start the Mahami Viper training. Yeah, which again, we were sh- show training there. Our, our training did uh, not parallel. Was- <laughs> well, our training Dude. didn't parallel any of the other units there. I had my car parked. I had my car parked out in front of our hooch. Yeah. That's one thing I would say about and I, and I think and I think one of the greatest things was that's one of the things I said that we had cab with us is because cab had already done two deployments. So he was like, you know what, fuck it, let's have some fun. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and, we, and well with without any real support, getting ranges out there was a bitch. Uh, we did that one time when we spent what, like three days out in the middle of the base with the vehicles. Oh, oh when the, 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 the attack in the little town or whatever. Yeah. That, that was and, a joke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we had probably one of the most, uh, I don't want to say storied, but unique training cycles before deploying. And I don't think it was awesome. I don't think officially anyone quite knew what we were doing when we ended up getting out there. So, and then we, it was like they forgot about us. Well, and then to make matters even more unique was the simple fact that um, when we finished Mojave Viper, we do our block leave. We all meet up at Pendleton, say our goodbyes to whatever family's there, which is hilarious because like none of nobody was there for you guys. At all. I mean, you're, you, I don't think any of our guys had any family fly out to California to say goodbye to them. Well, they, our higher ups kind of fucked us on the way out and on the way back. Like they didn't relay to like any of our families down here. The only family member I remember seeing in California before we left was uh, Al- the Ferreras, uh, Edward Ferreira, uh, Alex and Chris's dad. But wasn't he a reserve pilot to begin with? Uh, no, active duty. The what? He was active duty reservist anesthesiologist uh, in the Navy. Uh, oh, okay, 06. that's right. That's that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he actually bought he actually bought Flores lunch after we gave Flores twenty dollars. Me and Stone because Stone uh, Flores lost his wallet, and we were like, "Hey, dude, we thought Flores was gonna fucking lose it and flip out and kill everybody." So we felt if we gave him a couple bucks since he lost his wallet, he would probably just kneecap us and let us live. <laughs> <laughs> and then when uh, uh, Edward Ferreira, the, the admiral, came in, or captain, whatever fucking rank he was, came in, and he goes, oh, here's another 20 bucks. I got your lunch. And we're like, oh, motherfucker. He, he just saved the Ferreira twins. Damn it. Uh, yes. I, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, how unique the composition of our unit was. Um, and it would only happen in a reserve battalion. So um, we get over to March Air Force Base get loaded on this stupid plane. Um, 
which begins the second segment of the craziest journey to war ever. So we we take off, we fly to Bangor, have a few drink. I think we have a few drinks in Bangor, Maine. Then uh, some people did, I didn't. Then we got to. I, I have pictures of Bangor, Maine, by the way. See? Of us at the airport. Yep. <laughs> then we get to Shannon, Ireland, and I think there was some more drinking there, and that was it. That was like where the cutoff was, and we yeah. had two more stops before we get, or one more stop before we actually fly into Kuwait, which was a quick uh, refueling stop, not getting off the, in, in Hungary. And we taxi out, throttle up, to go to Kuwait. We're looking forward to getting to Kuwait. And we get to about 5,000 feet and kaboom. <laughs> and our plane catches on fire. Or at least the I engine does. My pants. <laughs> I will not lie. <laughs> Stone actually has a picture of me in the toilet right the second we land because I ran to the bathroom. And I actually ran to the bathroom to clean out my sh my short uh, my my drawers and I um I actually that's when I actually started writing my um like I started writing my first like uh, I love you goodbye letter like if anything happens. And Stone I had no clue was up fucking above the stall taking pictures of me fucking what a pervert. So we were we land um, with an, basically a runway full of EMS vehicles. Oh, you remember the captain? Don't, don't be alerted by the, the fire rescue down there. They're just there for precaution. We're all like, fuck you. <laughs> um, I, I saw the picture. <laughs> wings on fire. <laughs> I have a picture looking out the window, and all you see is uh, the emergency lights from the fire oh, engine. I got to see that there. Um, I think it's on my Facebook. I got to find it. I think it's on my Facebook profile. But so anyways, we have that really whacked ass adventure where we sit on the plane for like four hours wait because there is no status of forces agreement for U.S. forces to be in that in Hungary. And mm -hmm. finally, when we get off, we are locked between I think it was gate 19 and gate 29 of the I can figure it out. I got pictures of it. <laughs> in the international airport, I got some good pictures of all of us sleeping on the floor of the terminal. And <laughs> we were given what were we given like meal cards or something to to eat? Yeah, yeah, like 20 bucks. Yeah. And, and like the soup was $15. So it was like you could have a soup and like a small cup of water. That was it. Yeah. So our little platoon was unique on a lot of levels, but we were late for our own war. Because we didn't get to, I think it took them another, what, like, they had to fly in a new airplane, pack us mm -hmm. all on. And we're talking not just, so not just four tank scout platoon, but uh, first tanks tow platoon, uh, elements of Bravo Company, elements of, like, other RCT guys who I have no idea who they were. It was a packed ass There's plane. There was, like, 200 of us. Yeah, it was a full plane. And um, on top of that, we had weapons. So yeah, that made Damn it right. really, really fun. Then we finally get to um, Kuwait. And I think it was you that pointed out that there were Mongolians that were guarding uh, the camp that we were in in Kuwait. And I, I think so. <laughs> and it, it, just, it just got so weird with how many different groups we passed through. But were you with me on the first stick into, um, into Iraq? 
Because I think it was me and me. Ray, that's when Ray and I split up. Because obviously they didn't want both Corman on. You were you were your advance party, right? No, no, I was with you. Well, I wasn't advanced advance party, but I think I was on the first flight into Iraq because we went uh, Camp Virginia or whatever. Not yeah, Camp, it was Camp Virginia. Virginia. And then what happened was is they 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 flew out a couple. You got and then like the rest of us didn't go out till like the next day or that say- evening. I, I think you guys came in that evening because um, we pushed, the, all of us pushed into uh, Camp Fallujah that night, I think. But yeah, I because I remember we flew from the little air base in, in Kuwait to Al-Assad, then Al-Assad to TQ. And I think the next group just went straight into TQ, if I'm remembering. We, we, went, we went straight to TQ. And then we had that. I had the dude as his twins and they were fucking pissing me off and they pissed off everybody because they tried to bring like three big bags of shit and I was like one of the only people that would stay back and help them lo- get their shit off the, the fucking um, the C-130 and like the Air Force guys were yelling at them like get this fucking shit off now do you understand what we are we can't be here on this airstrip long get the fuck off and Nunez what do you mean and I'm like dude he's telling us to move or they're gonna fucking start getting mortared you dumb fuck <laughs> And it, oh. it turns out it was like all it was all like canned food from their fucking parents' like gas station. Oh Jesus. So again, we're now in TQ and we're getting ready to drive over, which was probably the biggest pucker factor for me up until that point in time. We had also gotten briefed on what we were doing, which was driving circle. We were bait, is the way I like to put it. Oh, we were a bad game of duck hunt. Yeah. That's what I call it. I call it. But hey, hey, real quick, before we forget about the Nunezes, I'm going to record this real quick. Hey, Danny Nunez and Lazaro Nunez, I'm on the mic with Doc Chase. Say hello. Hi, guys. Right, I'm going to send that to him. Yeah. All right, I, so... I, People ask me, I say it was like duck hunt. We were literally going back and forth and it was literally up to the insurgents or whoever the fuck they wanted to, to go, okay, this is their pattern. They do it every day. And I already knew from my guys that we needed to change up our patterns. And I remember the funniest thing from the whole thing and Bichelle better not lie, cause I know Hernandez knows, was I kept telling Digivani, hey, we need to change up our routines. Go up a little bit, then turn around, then go back. No, no, no. And that's where we're getting fucking hit. We weren't spotting any of them. And then I had to get Bichelle to start telling Digivani. And then Digivani was like, yeah, let's do it. And then next thing you know, we start spotting all the IEDs. Shit starts getting better. And then Digivani is like, yeah, well, I came up with this idea that if we did it, it was like, oh, you motherfucker. So let's talk about the... the uh, co- uh, I think you froze. Banded you. Your 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 thing froze. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're breaking up, but I can hear you. There you go. You're back. Is it good now? Or? Uh, you're still breaking up. But anyways, so I can still hear you. So let's go with. Do you remember the drive over from TQ to Fallujah? I remember it was at night, and 
You're breaking up really I bad. I remember now. I was tired as shit. And I just remember just being go, go, go. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Better? I can hear you better, yeah. I'm just going to see if I move to a different spot in the house if it gets better. How about now? Uh, still no picture, but I can hear you fine. Okay, I think I can see you too now. Can you see a picture? Yep. Good? Yep, we're good. So, um, do you remember going over that night? Very little. Yeah, uh, you're still breaking up really bad. Like, very little. Can you see the one? Uh, I got nothing. Hold on. I, Good. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You're moving all over the place. Same as system, integrated webcam. Can you hear me? Okay, well, though you were, you don't fully recall the drive over, and I think you went on a different uh, stick than we did. Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember getting to the cans that night? I, when I remember when we got in late, I just remember we were basically being like separated and we were told this is where your trailer's gonna be, this is where your trailer's gonna be. And I already had my buddy Taylor, one of my boys, uh, from my old platoon, I already had him already have me a trailer already like set up and he had a couple of other trailers like set up. And I just remember, uh, it was, we were starting to learn everything on the fly. Like this is where your shit goes. This is it. And, and then I just remember Mason, you're going to be one of the lead vehicles. So we need you up first thing in the morning. You're actually going out first and you're going to be in the lead vehicle. But do you remember what happened that night? The little surprise no. insurgents gave us. You don't remember the mortar attack that happened that night? The very first I night. I was getting mortared. I just don't remember much of it. Yeah, we we got. Uh, it, it was just a funny little story. But if you don't remember it, that's cool. That isn't where the one gunnery sergeant ran and he fell and he ended up busting out all his teeth. I actually think it was. I think it was that night. I think. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it was the one active duty gunnery sergeant. Yeah, he was running to get to the mortar protection and he like tripped and busted out his whole fucking front teeth. And he was like, he was the perfect height to walk into the little mortar shelter. And it, like, he was a short little <laughs> Filipino gunny. If I remember, if it's the one I'm thinking of. But anyway, so we get there and you and I both get sent out on the first left seat, right seat uh, mission. Yep. I still use that word today, actually, at my job. Left seat, right seat? Yep. So how tight was your asshole puckering at that point in time? Actually, not much. Uh, I actually got threatened by the sergeant uh, in, in the vehicle that if I didn't stop farting, he was going to kick the ever-living shit out of me. I, 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 let's, I ain't going to lie. I was nervous as shit, man. I was ripping ass like a motherfucker. So um, you, being in the lead vehicle, 
what was that like for you? Because were you driving or uh, were you passenger on, on that? I was, uh, for the very first time, I was, I actually, for the first time, I actually sat in the back seat. Okay. With Sergeant and I had Raul Hernandez, my VC was in there because he was learning everything. And we were going out and their lead driver was driving and he was telling us, and it was Sarobi, my boy, that I, I already knew. Uh, and that was pretty much it. And we did, uh, we did that, uh, the first time. And then, uh, second time it was third time. It was, we did it two times and then that was it. Yeah. And then, uh, we got Rob and I were Rob, I, and Aoki were in the same squad. And then you were in first the, the other squad, as I like to call it, the other section. Yeah. You guys uh, were the pirates. We were the Royal Navy. How so? You guys had that is true. So, um, Bastard. that being said, I know you guys ran a lot of very, very unique. You guys had a lot of unique things happen to you. I believe that you were the, you guys, I was trying to remember this with Flores, whether you guys were the first, if you guys took the first IEV or if we did. And was it, were you in the lead vehicle when that happened? Yeah, that's the one we saw on video. Okay. Do you, do you remember it? Um, yeah, I, I can still remember it clear as day, actually. It was October 3rd, 2006. And the reason why we were, uh, you know, how they wanted us to always clear the debris and make sure everything was fine. Hernandez actually wanted to get out and move the tire. And I told Hernandez, no, don't do that because my boy Hayes, my last platoon, almost lost his hand. And he was like, what? And I go, well, dude, I go, dude, I'm not letting you get out. I go, if anything, let's fucking, let's, let's redneck fish it. And that's why we hooked up the little, uh, the little, the little thing. And, and right as, right as I came up on it, fucking, I remember Alex Ferrer was fucking up in the gun. He was, he got down, uh, Perez was right behind me. And I remember right as I, I started to fucking, I, I hooked it good, man. I was a good redneck fisher, boy. Fucking stupid. I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. We should have just shot it from the 50 cal from a ways uh, way back. It would have done the same shit, um, which is what I want to do, but whatever. Uh, but when, then when the second we hooked it, I could see whatever the fuck that bomb was. It was a mortar, a big I think mortar. it was just a single mortar, yeah. A tamper switch. The second we flipped that tire, it was, it was behind the... Um, it was behind like the inner tube. That's how they tried to disguise it. And I remember right when I saw it falling down, I looked at Hernandez and went, oh shit. And that's when I actually thought like my ex is like nightmare. She used to have was actually real. And ah, man, I just remember like going, what the fuck? And the big fireball going in my face. And uh, I was kind of unconscious a little bit. And you could even see in the video because my foot stayed stuck on the gas. And I, I don't think, it, I think it was for, um, I can't remember. I think it was might have been Perez that it hit me from behind that got me to go, oh, shit. And that's when I actually finally hit the brake. And everybody's like, oh, and Hernandez, uh, like, looking at it. We're still coming to, and we can't even see each other because it was so fucking all smoke. And it was holy shit, holy shit. And I remember, like, kind of looking at Hernandez, like, and I go, I told you. I told you. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been a very bad day for him, for us. But it would have been, been dead. An, accept, an exceptionally yeah. bad day. Yeah, he, so, he should actually, he should pinch my ass at one of these days and say thanks. Uh, so and Perez on the back seat was just, yeah, 
run. I'm like, what the fuck? Alex didn't even say anything for like the first fucking five minutes. Alex didn't say a fucking word. He was scared shitless. And then uh, we got all cleared up. And I remember I just kept saying like, holy fuck, my ears, I, my ear couldn't stop ringing. And that was, that was pretty much it. And then I saw you in the chow hall. Yeah. And you came up by me and I'm like, no, not that, no, no. And you were like, oh shit. And you were like, oh dude, I'm so sorry, bro. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, just, you know. Yeah. So how was, uh, how was Ray out there on that one? Ray, uh, he assessed me, uh, like shortly after it and basically just said like, Hey, are you all right? Everything all right. And I basically just said, I go, yeah, I feel a little dizzy. I feel my ears are ringing. Uh, and I'm like, I don't think my face got caught on fire. Cause you know what? Got to give it to it. The mask actually did its job. Um, and he just basically sat there and uh, he was like, look, when you get back, we'll, we'll take you back in if you want to go get checked out. And I remember Alex Ferreira was laughing at me. It just did that why it's just so funny. Cause that Alex Ferreira it was like, Oh fucking stop trying to be a baby about it. Man up. Stop man. Oh. And I'm like, dude, my fucking ears are ringing. And I'm like, you dipshit. I also have a previous head injury. You know, I'm like, I might be more acceptable, whatever. And I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. And he was making fun of me. And, you know, you know, if you um, a month down the road, what happened with him? So I, yeah, yeah. So, so let's uh, let's not go down that route. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how after that um, we had a, a really weird incident, and I don't want to go too deep into it, but Ray, my corpsman, and your guys's uh, sections corpsman was shot. Yeah. And uh, I think October or November 23rd. I think it was some, I don't know. I'm, I always go back between that or whether it was um, Veterans Day. It's right before Thanksgiving. I know that. 100% positive. Yeah. I, I just don't remember exactly when, but anyway, so. Uh, walk, I'm positive walk, it's 23rd or 24th. Walk me through what you remember that happened. Or were you in, were you up there with them when that happened? Uh, no. Okay. We, um, I guess maybe disobeyed orders or whatever you want. Um, they, we had saw the command wire. And we'd we had saw the commander. I think I spotted the command wire. I'm almost positive. Then we set up like we were going to do a cordon. We didn't wait for EOD or anything. And then Digivani, you know, Digivani being Digivani, you know, he's young and he just wanted to do things. And I already known from my boys, and I I guess it's one of the things of me being a little Lance Corporal, they didn't want to listen to me. And one thing is I always passed on things to Stone, and Stone would pass on to Cab about some of the shit Digivani would try to do. And it was basically stay on the fucking main road. Your chances of living are a lot better. And they saw the command wire. And one of Digi's little nicknames we had for him was Ricky Recon. And him and Verdura, because he was like, oh, let's find, let's chase this command wire and see where it goes off into fucking Shadyville. You know, that little town? Why? And then all I remember is just hearing on the thing, oh, shit, we docks been hit. And I looked at Sims and there was a little pathway that I just saw a car go down, you know, towards the village. And I looked at Sims and I go, hey man, I think that road's safe right there. You got this, let's get them. And then we pulled up and uh, 
right as we pulled up, I see, I see Doc's gun laying directly in front of me about 10 feet. I open up my car door. Doc's sitting against the wall, like holding his chest, but he's so much in shock. He didn't even realize he was hit. He really thought his gun took, he thought the rifle took everything. And I look over, I can see a little bit of blood. And I look over at him. I say, don't fucking move. Don't fucking move. Stay right there. Stay right there. I repositioned the vehicle again. I had my door open like this. And then I reached down and I grabbed him. I grabbed the patrol, uh, the back door, opened the back door. I got him into the back. I do a little bit of direct pressure and I look at him and he's like, I'm okay. Okay. Let me get my weapon. Let me get my weapon. I mean, Doc's a badass, bro. I, I got to give it to him like that. He was like, let me get my weapon. And I go, no, shut the fuck up. I'll fucking get it. Stay the fuck down. I'm like, Sims cover us. And Sims fucking awesome, you know? And uh, Sims covering my ass. I got it. We got him in the back. And then I jumped back in the patrol vehicle, you know, the Vic. I'm saying patrol vehicle, something on my regular job. Sorry. Uh, I jump in the lead vehicle. I get right as I get back in there, I tell Doc, hold on. I'm giving him a little bit of direct pressure. And I pull up about 10 feet to where his rifle is. I opened up my, my, uh, my door for protection and I reached down and grabbed it. And then I gave it back to him. And then from there, it was, hey, hey, and Doc still doesn't realize he's been hit. Like, I mean, he's, he's in shock, but he's still being a stud, though. I love him. And he's just basically like, hey, and I'm like, no, Doc, you've been fucking hit. Literally, there's blood on my fucking hand. He goes, that's when I think it really hit him. And he was like, oh, shit. And I go, well, hey, don't, don't worry about it, man. Aren't you from Texas? Don't your kids go to school for free if you got a purple heart or something? Well, you're good. He goes, what? I go, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And then uh, we started to pull back out to get back onto the main highway. And that's when Digi was like, Doc's getting in my vehicle. Doc's getting in my vehicle. And where I'm like, whatever. And uh, even Hernandez was like, who gives a shit? He needs to go now. And basically, I just looked up at Sims and I just said, hey, look, man, I'm fucking gunning it. You fucking protect us. I'll spot IEDs. Let's go, go, go. And the sad part is we actually had video of that whole thing. But Sims had his little recorder. And when we were running back to Fallujah uh, Camp Fallujah uh, uh, Surgical, it fell out of his pocket. Oh, and we lost them. I so didn't know that you guys had it. That footage. So, um, did you roll back out with us for the second part of that day? Hell yeah. We blew up those motherfuckers' house? Yeah. Hell yeah. I had a funny You didn't hear what happened between me and Captain Domingiani? No. Oh, it was fucking hilarious, man. Fucking. So, Verdura wants me to get out because I'm a saw gunner. So Verdura's like, Mason, you're coming out of the... And he attaches me to, uh, to Captain Mignani. We're running, you know, because we started, you know, how we check a couple houses. We're doing little bumps and bounds. We're checking a few houses. We're running here and there. I'm screaming at Captain Mignani. I'm like, hey, sir, sir, stop. And the Verdura's yelling at me. Mason, don't fucking talk to him. Mason, don't talk to him. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Verdura. I run up to Captain Dominiani and I go, hey, look, man, if you're going to be covering my ass, at least make sure your fucking magazine's in your fucking pistol. He didn't realize when he pulled his sidearm out, he dropped the, he, he fucking discharged his mag. So I was trying to give him his fucking ammo the whole time. And uh, then I was doing it, it was like, oh, shit, sorry, Mason. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm not going to hate on him for that because the way I had to rig my, uh, my rifle between me and the door being yeah. behind the driver. There was a couple of times when I got out, my knee kicked the freaking magazine release and the magazine fell out. So I'm not oh, going to yeah, hate no, him for that. Oh, no, 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 no. He was cool as shit. He even said thank yeah. you to me because I wasn't screaming captain. I was like, sir, sir, turn the fuck around. And, and then when he gave it to me, he goes, oh, shit, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was weird times. So yeah, we, we hit uh, 
not just us. I think it was like three units hit that house. Uh, yeah. Apparently it was an IED factory and then it went kabooey. Yeah. It went yeah. beautifully kabooey. I think I still yeah. have video. I got to pull up some old mini DB and see if I do. Um, I've got a couple so, videos of it. We, we found some things. So that being <laughs> said, um, that was November. And then we had some, yeah. our, our attachments had some bad days. Fortunately for us, we didn't have any extremely bad days. But well, our before, Doc got shot, we, before Doc got shot, we actually had a really bad day. Um, you remember when we got lit up at uh, Tartar Bridge? It was first I, section, not second section. Yeah, no, but I mean, as far as people dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the day when I honestly, like, that was one of those times where I couldn't believe we fucking came alive. And honestly, you know, there, there's two people from that, honestly, that I can't believe didn't get fucking recognized, honestly. One of them, Bichelli. And then two Sims, he came around a little bit and helped out. But a lot of people don't fucking forget that, like, when those two guys fucking opened up on us with those two SKSs, that's what we thought, think they were, and they missed everybody. I was one of the ones that recalled it because I remember I was sitting there with Hernandez looking, and I'm like, dude, they should stop fucking around. They should stop fucking around because Digimonty wanted to play around and do the fucking, you know, Bob Wire shit, Constantine Wire stupid shit. And I'm like, dude, they need to hurry the fuck up. And then all of a sudden, that fucking barrage just came out. And a lot of people don't fucking forget. Dude, Bichelli, motherfucking stud, because we were still talking over the comm about, hey, we need to hurry up. Dude, people forget about how fast Bichelli fucking returned fire and suppressed that shit. Or they probably, they still would have been getting shot at. Like, dude, Bichelli was a badass. And then Sims followed lead. And then I jumped out with my saw and didn't shit, hit shit. But, you know. Well, in, in terms of recognition, I think that's uh, one of the downsides of not having an O with us on the deployment. Um, yeah, honestly, what Michelle did that day, no shit. I don't know how, like, what, like, what could be, you know, commended or whatever, but honestly, if people don't fucking remember that, I do, about what Michelle did. Like, he, he returned fire and he hit, he was literally lighting right up where they were, and that's what suppressed the, them to stop shooting. Or you probably would have had Cruz because he was there. Cruz, Ayel, I think, too. I know Doc was out there on that spot. Digibani. We would have lost four or five guys. Or whatever, you know what I mean? But somehow yeah. fucking around, fucking rounds missed. But Well, which is which is always a weird thing about war when you think about it. There's so many, there's so many stories. Or bad shots. <laughs> yeah. Where or or people I don't know if you remember the guy from 123, 125. The remember the reserve infantry or battalion that was next door to Camp Fallujah on Bagaria? Uh in Camp Viking? No, no, on the on the next you know when we left Fallujah to go out to mobile? That other oh, camp that and there's that little one, that little base. Yeah, but I think it was Bagaria or something. I could have the name wrong. But they had a guy at ECP one who got shot in the neck. But it, he had like a magazine tucked underneath his collar and it just went right around it. He was from Topletoon. That guy was from Topletoon. It went right here. Yeah. And it, but it, but it, it that it's guy like, was a douchebag. but it should have been a dead guy, but it, the bullet did oh, yeah. its magic. So, yeah. No, it's all just, it did was it left him a nice scar that goes across his neck. Yeah. He was. Dumbass. He was the dumbass in Topletoon because Shoemaker told me all about it. They kept telling him to stay in the fucking vehicle, stay in the fucking vehicle, and he jumped out. 
<laughs> was this wait are you talking about first tanks our guys that uh, were the topal tune the active duty topal tune that was uh attached, yeah like, oh no no but there there was also an infantry. yeah there was also an infantry guy that was on post at uh ecp1 the entry control point over mm. by the cloverleaf i think that okay. the same thing happened so yeah, it's more just weird when it comes to shit like that so we go into were you, were you out there when uh was it Husky shot the guy in the head that uh, I sent Doc Costas yeah, back with? Doc Costas this... and I were actually down the guy. Yeah. It was also the same day that Digivani almost shot my leg off. Okay, this is not the Hate Digivani podcast. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I just got to hit it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but so um, we had some weird, we just had some super weird experiences. Are you doing coke? No. You can smoke your little pipe on the show. No one cares. This is this is 2020. Um. So I don't know what you're talking about there. Uh. Anyways, so after I got hit, I have no way. I lost contact with everybody after I got sent home. Um. What was the rest of the deployment like in your perspective? Let's see. After after the suicide bid. Yeah. See, I think we were only there for what? What? Six more weeks after that? Oops, something fell. What? Uh, yeah, probably six more weeks. Back, we came back at the end of we came back at the end of April. April twenty seventh, I believe, is the day I touched touched feet on ground. You guys got hit. What was that? Second week of March. March seventh or March sixth, two thousand seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So almost First eight week weeks. Of March. Yeah, so we were gone six weeks after after that. And that was pretty much like, you know, of course, that was the major talk of like what the fuck just happened. And uh, right after that. Uh, I mean, and, and remember, not, I didn't I, I didn't leave until March 19th. Yeah. During that time, that was pretty much the big highlight of anything that had happened. Uh, I think there was a small itty bitty little attack on the CMOC that we thought we were going to respond to. And then there was, um, I want to say it was maybe April, April 20th, 19th or 20th. Uh, that was when checkpoint 285 got fucking crushed, uh, by the fucking dump truck that parked underneath it with explosives or whatever. And yeah. So and actually, guy- actually I had Eric Morante. Yeah. I had Eric Morante who was the, uh, NCO in charge of that post the day that that happened. He lost a leg in that and has no idea how he didn't lose any of his guys. We were at that time, we were in our 10 day breakdown. Like we were done. Like we were in the white tents. We're fucking, you know, we're eating ice cream. We're like, Oh yeah. And then I remember that fucking happened. And we were like, Holy shit. They might keep us here. Guys don't think we're going home yet. And Holy fuck. Are they all right? And, um, you know, it was like, holy shit. And then basically uh, for the next couple of days, all we kept saying was, we knew they were going to get fucked up. We knew they were going to get hit. <laughs> well, and, and Erica told me that several different times it was brought up, like, why are you stationing Marines on this totally exposed piece of a uh, of bridge? And, and the, the irony is that it never did get hit. Not once. Yeah. Prior to that. Until that. Yeah. I think they had 
caught someone trying it one time and then uh they got over they, they fled but i think outside of that that was the only time that there was ever really a serious uh, uh, attempt on that bridge and it fucked a lot of shit up yeah they probably at that spot i think they only had maybe gotten like a couple pop shots at them here and there well they, they had been in a couple firefights but as far as like intentionally trying to take the bridge down i think he said that there was one time that they stopped something and nothing happened i think what he i'm trying to remember the whole conversation but i think he was saying basically it was a test run they drove a dump truck underneath stopped and then took off so it was like how long do we have to be under this bridge before um yeah before they start engaging so, it, I mean, and the funny thing is, so there was a mission that uh, I went out on. I don't remember if it was when I was temporarily with you guys in first section or if it was with second section, where we escorted some CBs out to where they'd try to blow up a bridge south towards uh, Abu Ghraib. I don't remember if you guys were on that there. one. I wasn't me. But so let's, uh, let's talk about coming home. How was your transition back into civilian life when you got back here? Because you didn't come off active duty right away, did you? No, no. I stayed on active duty for another two years after that. Uh, like two years and three months. Um, transitioning coming home, it was definitely weird. I actually wish we would have stayed at like Camp Lejeune for a little bit longer. And I really wish that like the higher ups in our, at our chain of command didn't fucking rob us. I, I want to say of like our welcome home moment. They didn't let our families know that, that we were going to be at Lejeune. Only like three like key wives or whatever only knew and they only told like two people. So we never had the thing. And then we had our welcome home thing back here, you know, down in Hialeah. And then we're trying to do all the D-mode stuff down here in Hialeah. I felt, honestly, I wish we would have stayed at Lejeune for maybe like another month or two to like, hey, stay here on a military base. Right, then right. No, that makes sense. It would have, because then they unleash us here. And, oh, man, I don't know, man. I mean, a lot, a lot of you guys are right back in the hood, right right where you left from. So yeah. Two weeks up in Lejeune, and then you're. I can tell you that I didn't go back to work for FedEx. I stayed on metal for a while. So, what was going on that kept you on metal? I'd have knee surgery. They they wanted to do a couple like CAT scans, hearing tests from a couple of the small little IEDs like I went through, and then uh, I'd have the knee surgery because I tore my meniscus during a firefight. Do you remember the one firefight where uh, Tilbleton took care of the guys, and then the tankers came up and they fucking. um, they lit up the, the 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 station wagons. The guys were dead. They were already fucking done. And they wanted to shoot an incendiary around. And they were like, hey, do you mind? And they shot it. It was pretty cool. Uh, I, that must have been after I left. Or uh, one of yeah, your... It was probably right after. And I can't believe I just said, yeah, that's cool. Just watching the tank just shoot people that are dude we just killed. Like, boom, yeah. You hey, know? but that's, I mean, what else are you going to do with dead bodies? Yeah, yeah. None. Okay, that 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 yeah, that was pretty dark. But hey, it is what we do. I mean, it's <laughs> how we how it we. Is what it is. <laughs> so um, transition. I wish I would have stayed like at Lejeune or something a little longer. 
Uh, I think we all should have instead of just coming directly straight home. Um, and then transitioning back, I don't know. I didn't transition back well. Uh, well, I mean, what, what was it like being on med hold there for in, again, not on a military base, but at a little Marine Corps facility for all that time? It was kind of cool at first. I didn't mind it. It was actually good at first. I felt, I, how do you say, I felt, um, I felt very easy because I felt like I was with people I could trust. Because, like, at that point in time, I know when I came home, there was a lot of people I didn't trust for shit. Uh, but at least I felt close and I felt like I could trust them. And then as after it started going further and further and further, and then it just, the whole med hold thing turned into, it was a shit show. Pretty much like I, I didn't want to be there, but they wanted to keep me there. And I, uh, I tried to get off a of med hold for like a year and then they wouldn't even let me off. So did, they end up, hmm? did they end up med boarding you or did they? No, I, just... I ended up I having to write a letter. I had to write a letter saying I want to return back to reserve status. I want off a of med hold and they ended up making me run a PFT and everything. It oh, was damn. absolutely. It was total bullshit. Then Chief Feliciano was like, dude, that was such bullshit. They should have never have done that. And then the very next week, they finally sent Perez to med board, and uh, Perez ended up getting med medical separated. Oh, okay. Okay. So now for you, um, at this point in time, this is what, three or four years into your contract? Mm, almost four, okay. yeah. So did, did you at that point? I basically point did time, active duty. <laughs> at what point in time really did you did. decide... Did you decide re-enlisting was not going to be a thing for you? I want to say it's probably when, uh, after being back for a while and then like seeing how the way my chain of command was, seeing how things were ran, I don't know, the politics, uh, almost like in a way of seeing like, I understand getting evolving and being different. And then they were still doing it kind of Neanderthalic. Um, that and Truthfully, I still to this day don't take a lot of pride in the fact that, yeah, I, I, I do take that. I love the fact I served, you know, and I got to meet, you know, I got to meet my second family. Um, but the war was bullshit. It's not even a war. The stupid fucking conflict we went over for and fucking stupid. I don't blame my, I don't blame my ex for leaving me. Honestly, I'm like... <laughs> you ain't kidding, babe. <laughs> what? Why was she? Uh, was she one of the anti-war people? Not, not so much anti-war, but you know, I, she gave me the wedding band and everything, saying, "Please don't leave, please don't go," all that crap, kind of shit, and uh, business, business girl, and uh, oh, okay. and then that, and then the nightmare she had, like from the get-go, and she knew my father was retired army, so she knew I wanted, you know, and uh, here's the way I look at it. Get to shower naked with a whole bunch of men or with one hot ass tall blonde. I don't know why the hell I picked this one. I don't know. <laughs> so that being said, um, let's go back to your family again. So now you're home in one piece for the most part, at least physically in one piece. Did I you ever have the, the family now. So you never, did you have any connection with your dad after coming back from Iraq? I mean, as far as not really at first for a second, uh, I'd say at first for a little bit. Yeah. And like my family, you know, we, we've been distance always kind of, but there were times when it got kind of brought up together, but then like there was other times too, where they're like, 
mostly all my family's been like, you know, ever since you came back, you've been a fucking full blown alcoholic. You know, you're not the same. You're never fun anymore. You, you know, you don't ever like to come out. Uh, so yeah, I've actually lost a touch with a lot of my family members. Um, now, have you stayed in touch with the guys? I try, I actually, I try my best, but a lot of them, you know, they're also stuck on their own life and to where it's almost, I, I don't know, maybe I've done something to wrong them. Who knows? But it's almost in a way that sometimes I feel when I reach out to them, it's almost like, almost like I'm in an inconvenience. Like I get you. I get you. To the point and where it's I, like, hey man, look, you're driving to work. You have a 10 mile, say a 30 minute drive to work. Hey man, why don't you hit me up sometime? Just for two seconds. Be like, hey man, what's up, dude? Later. You know, like, uh, to them, I don't know, to some of them, that's even a, in a far extreme. Well, I think, I think all of us are processing it differently. Um, I know I didn't go out of my way to make contact with very many people after I left. I was also like you, kind of the black sheep. I was, I was an attachment. I, w I had no real, no connection to any of you guys prior to showing up at Camp Lejeune. Yeah. So, and th that was a weird thing. The only two, the only two people who were medevaced out of Iraq were the two corpsmen from our unit. The two attachments, the two that actually had no, no roots in the unit, which was super weird when you thought back on it. But they that being like the what? They didn't like you guys, man. Apparently not. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, Stone had that suicide bomber on the right side when he set it up. Uh, you know, just to get rid of me. No, I, that's one of the. That, that's one of the few things I will give the Nunez brothers credit for. Danny can fucking drive. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, Dan. Danny's driving was the only thing that saved me and Chris, and probably Danny too. Rob's like a superhero, so he would have been fine. But um, <laughs> so you getting back here, did you seek, um, once you were off active duty, did you do the VA stuff and seek any consultations with them? Um, I actually, when I was down and I was on med hold, uh, at, you know, for the first, well, I stayed on active duty. I stayed on active duty till August of 09. Um, and when I was there, I, I went to a couple, like I went to an, um, I actually went to an offsite therapist, uh, just to see how I wanted to see, you know, a civilian. I thought she was terrible. <laughs> uh, but then I, I did go to the VA for a couple things. Uh, one of the things I went to was, um, with the VA was, uh, trying to get my sleep pattern. I don't, ever since I've been back, my sleep has never been the same. Yeah, I've been, I just—it's literally taken me until about the last two and a half years to get my sleep somewhat organized. Shit. And even that, and even that's hard. Um, but that, but that, I think that's the PTSD or whatever you want to call it. That's just part of what we deal with for what we do. Yeah. yeah. Um. But to that, so as you were off, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. You mentioned before yeah. we started this that that it had been a year since you've had anything to drink, which yeah. I have to give you grand props. And I have to give yeah. you even bigger props because your fucking stupid ass did it in the middle of a fucking lockdown pandemic. 
where everyone's drinking. I know. So, um, I, I just, I just, I just do vape cigarettes, you know? So was that a big issue for you after you came back home drinking? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't sugarcoat it. Uh, it's not only that. I mean, I had a, I had a lot of issues before even, uh, before going. And I guess I, uh, how do you say stressors before yeah. we even deployed and everything that had gone through with like my relationship status, everything like that. And, you know, I went from thinking I'm going to start a family to fucking what the fuck. And after coming back and thinking the way everything was and, you know, I, I honestly, I'll be said, I, I sit there sometimes and I sit there and go, what the fuck did we do? You know, like, why did I waste my time over there? And at the time of my life too. And, um, you know, I, I've, I'm, I've tried to do the whole, like, not take pills from the VA. And I've definitely uh, put down a, put down several drinks or several insane amounts um, <laughs> to try to cope with it. And I guess, and maybe try to put me to sleep. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I let it get out of control though. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll definitely admit that. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like drinking is a good way to try to get you to go to sleep. Even though I, I, I know physiologically it, it does not put you to, in good sleep at all. But so all of that, um, you do finally get off active duty. You finally start to yeah. get things going. And you said that you did a stint at the police academy. So, yeah. Um, I know you're not an officer. So what, what changed your mind? Uh, going back into the police, uh, going into the police academy, uh, was basically, it was one thing of like, you know, continuation of service. Uh, that was definitely a motivator. Uh, and I had some good people that wanted to pick me up at a couple agencies. Uh, but I don't know, going into, going into it as, you know, I, I do know that law enforcement is, you know, you know, post, you know, military, and all that shit and they run you know like the same but the second i got into the academy honest the way i saw the way fucking uh all the politics were being ran again with like this person's getting this this person's getting that and they, they're absolute shit bags and i'm like what the fuck and this person getting hired for that and i literally just saw the way it was going and the way society is and i was just like you know what fuck this you know this isn't for me so when um I guess we can briefly talk about the composite, the composition of our unit. It was 29 Marines, two corpsmen. Um, obviously, Ray and I were attached. But in this little Miami Scout uh, unit, you guys were some of the tightest people from a family perspective and some of the most dysfunctional motherfuckers I've ever worked with in my life. There was, <laughs> literally, there was like... I will kill anyone who talks shit about Scout Platoon mentality but yet bickering and fighting and all of that all through amongst ourselves and different and different aspects, which made it really, really a, a, probably one of the most effective units I've worked with. Yeah. But from the reserve side, which I think was both a benefit and a detriment was we had what cab was a cop. Digi was a cop. Um, at the time, at the time of deployment, cab was a cop. Like, okay. First section, first section, was Digi was a cop, and that's it for first section. Second section was uh, Cab and Escobar, right? Yeah, but Escobar wasn't a cop. Oh, Escobar okay. was never. So it was uh, just Cab, and then uh, yeah, that was it. 
And then we had Milagros, who was a bodyguard, or thought he was for a bodyguard. Scott Storch. Yeah, what? he was a for Scott Storch, some DJ guy. Yeah, and um, Aoki was a secret agent, or at least that's what I believe <laughs> he was. I don't, I don't know I what the hell that guy. I actually was. talked to him a month ago. Oh, nice, nice. But then so we had this Africa. really. But we had this really weird dynamic. In fact, I think you and Stone were the only two white guys in the unit. Yeah, Husky's white, but we can't confirm that. We won't accept him either. Uh, I, I wouldn't accept him either. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, but we, but we had a really, really diverse. Oh no! Did we get Sims? Well, we had Sims. We had everyone else, but we also had. We had three sets of brothers. Yeah, the Digis, the Digis. And two, and of those three sets of brothers, two of them were twins. Yeah. And then don't forget, you had, uh, and then Perez, who went around for a while saying the Nunes's and them, them were cousins. Let me oh, they were? That was, yeah, oh, they were. Yeah, they, I actually still believe that they were. <laughs> no, 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 the line motherfuckers. Oh, so, but, we hate each other. But my point to that is it's only something that would happen in a reserve unit that you would allow six brothers to go to war in the same unit. And to the fact that we literally had to cut them in half. Um, Yeah. We had literally and a brother. uh, We had literally um, like a safe and private Ryan thing going. Yeah. I mean, we almost had the Solomon brothers, which were what seven brothers on board. I forgot what ship, but yeah, that got sunk and they made a rule where brothers weren't supposed to serve in combat together on active duty. Yeah. If, 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 if out of all six of those brothers, if we had to pick one of them to come back alive, I'm picking Chris Ferreira. I'm going with Danny. Yeah. You weren't you weren't in that firefight in um in Karma where he he took the first round and it hit his shield, his uh gunner oh, shield. Yeah, no, I wasn't, dude. But Dan's a bad motherfucker, dude. I could hear him from like two hundred yards away while I was sitting in the driver's seat of my vehicle, yelling, "You try to fucking kill me." I'm going to fucking kill you. And like, try to shoot that SUV with the freaking Mark 19. I think he got like <laughs> he 10 got rounds out before it. But before our favorite thing that the Mark 19 liked to do in Iraq, which was jam. Jam. So yeah, I remember like Danny's a badass motherfucker. I will say that much. Yeah. I, 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 there is no, 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 no doubt about that one. He, he might be a little scarred and fucked up in the head. You know, that whole mentality, but I definitely trust him with my six. And he's definitely like, I don't know if it's he's got balls this big or a brain this big. Because, like, he could be getting shot at and he's just, well, fuck you, motherfucker. And, and instead yeah. of just shooting the guy with, like, you know, like, really fast and put the bullets down range, he actually has a monologue to say it. Like, if he's in a movie before he starts firing back, like you just said, you will try to kill me, Instead of just oh shit, he's what's up? You know, gotta love well, him. Well, he he's a film director now, so I mean, <laughs> it, it makes total sense. I actually t- I sent him. He already said he already said something back um, when I sent that little video of you saying nice. hi. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple of his videos actually. Uh, movies. Well, I've actually you- gone to the. 
Oh, nice. Nice. And um, what we're trying to do with Danny, Rob and uh, Chris is get them on a four-way call like this to record a, us talking about that day. So that should be pretty nuts. So uh, actually speaking of that day, I don't know if you remember why I'm still pissed off at a seventh Marines who had to come and get us. After I got, yeah, you guys came out. You don't remember that? Yeah. You guys, we were waiting for seventh Marines to come out from OP Viking, which was like 150 yards away and they refused to send anyone out. We got out there, but by the time we got out there, your shit was already taken care of. Well, no, we were, yeah, but we rode back with you guys. No. Yeah, I was in I was in the lead I was in the second vehicle. And me and Rob were in the second vehicle and Danny and Chris were in like the third vehicle and it was the fastest we'd ever I want to say you were in the vehicle. You were the driver. But it was yeah. like the fastest we had ever gone down mobile. We were at like full speed. Are you are you sure that you got you guys didn't get put in somebody else's Humvee in your section and then we you followed us back? Maybe it was that then. I think that's what happened with you Be- guys. Because you guys I came remember- out and tracks came out. Amtrak came tracks- out section didn't though, because I I remember, or at least I know I didn't, because when you guys got the Palooza Surgical, I remember how I found out. And it me and Bichelle were sitting there watching uh something on my laptop in my trailer, and I remember clear as day. And I was thinking about going to work out, and Bichelle wanted to go to sleep because remember Bichelle, which is so funny because he never sleeps now, but he always slept. Um, Sims comes running up and he opens the door and goes, holy shit, holy shit, Bravo just got fucking taken out. Bravo just got taken out. And my reaction, because of what happened to my rack mates, you know, Cawthorn, I'm thinking, oh shit, they're dead. And he's like, no, 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 fucking suicide demon hit them, dude, they're fucking at Blue Surgical. So I jump up really fast and I sprinted to Blue Surgical. And when I got there, I remember Rob was sitting on one of the chairs and I remember I tackled him. And I said, don't you fucking die, you son of a bitch. Only I can kill you, you motherfucker. And he's like, get the fuck off me. And I'm like, sorry, man, I love you. Yeah, yeah. Rob was was probably the least scathed out of all of us. And then Danny played Mr. Macho Man. But I don't um, know why. That's Danny. It's it's that Cubano side of him. The, The, I'm going to kill everything that comes before me. God, I miss that guy. But so anyway, so let's jump to present day here. So here we are, 2020. It's been 13 fucking years. Actually, now we're, I take that back, 2021. So coming on 14 year anniversary for, Almost for our time down round. Yeah. So in those years, what have you learned about yourself? Uh, what have I learned about myself? Hmm. I mean, do do you see a different you going forward now, or are you still the same Mason that uh, I deployed with? I definitely would definitely say changing. Or, I mean, are you talking about like before Marines or after Marine, or like after deployment? After deployment, I'd say. Like, have you? Uh, I've gotten less ambitious. Maybe I'd say honestly. Really, because like before. And then, like, before deployment, I was always real, like, one motivated, like, work, work. I always worked two or three jobs, go to school, do you know, and 
I'd say after deployment, you know what? Maybe I didn't trans back, transition back the way I wish I would have. Like some yeah. people have, you know. And I, I'm, I'm proud and I'm happy for all of them. You know, sorry, I'm, but I'm, you know, and if I've let any of them down, sorry, I just didn't take that route. But other than that, you know, I finished school and I finished that. And, uh, but I definitely didn't do it with the motivating factor I I would have had years ago, or like the way I used right. to be. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's. Uh, so this last year, and I really honestly don't have high hopes for this year, um, to be frank, mm -mm. but last year was a complete and utter shit show. Mm -hmm. So what, what's COVID life been for you? Um, well, work's been all right. Uh, the only thing I think it definitely didn't help and I, and I, I didn't realize it and I actually thought about it the other day was a lot of people at work have actually been saying like, Hey Mason, you know, you seem more stressed out or like real fucking intense. And I didn't even think about it until like, I knew we were going to do this podcast. And I actually started looking at some like old pictures and I'm trying to put two and two together. Maybe, maybe it's my mind, the way it's thinking. Uh, and you know how people staying away and, and this and that, but I didn't realize it until this. And so I put it on. Yep. IP. Yep. Mm -hmm. How much does this remind you of getting in the Humvee or getting out and doing, you know, yep. going into the house, you know, like, and I actually really started thinking about it and I'm like, holy fuck, is this maybe one of the reasons why I've been like, when people come up and talk to me, I, it's not that I'm being weird or they can't understand me, but I like, they said, basically uh, what they said, they were like, dude, you look so fucking intense. It's fucking weird. Like, they're like, you're kind of creeping me out. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So did, were you guys, uh, speaking of the year being a shit show, were you guys affected at all by the unrest in your area? Not, not here, not my area. I, I live in Jupiter, Florida. So honestly, I, it's predominantly rich white. Oh, okay. So you didn't have any, uh, but how about at your work? Did anyone, did anything happen over there? Oh God. So that, no. really, so that really didn't get affected by any of the unrest. No, no, I run, um, I run the security, you know, I run security, uh, for a private golf course. And so, you know, we're always going to be essential and the area that we're at, it's, uh, how do you say it? We're in a, we're in an area called Martin County where it's the, the police officers there or the sheriff is actually well known to be the good old boys. Oh, Very one random. of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where I'm at, like the club that I actually, um, that I, that I, that I run the security for, uh, is actually very, um, what I mean, like kind of higher upper class, like one, one of our members actually owns an NFL football team. Oh, um, okay. So, so yeah, ex extremely insulated from anything that would have happened. Yeah. We're right across from Jupiter Island. Okay. We're I like, have no idea. Oh, okay. Okay, you're talking like Joe Namath was actually Joe Namath who, who was on TV today was actually at our club yesterday actually doing the uh, interview for ESPN. Oh damn. Okay. So so you're talking pretty extremely high level people. Oh yeah. So yeah, that yeah. Being, it's just to be a member it's 125,000. Jeez. Yeah. I don't want to be a member. Yeah. You can't make me be a member. Come on man, we made like 20,000 a year overseas. I know you still got some of it saved up. I do have a little bit of it saved up, but it, over 14 years, that nest egg goes away real quick, especially mm -hmm. when you're doing stupid shit. So yeah, I too have 
drank way more than my share of, uh, of alcohol. But so what have you found that's like helped you in terms of getting away from the alcohol and focusing on other stuff? Are you doing anything for yourself? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like school or, or self-help or whatever? Like, are you doing meditation? Uh, I, you know, I, um, not, you know, one of the funny jokes, you know, the whole Chuck Norris thing, but you know, I did have my black belt by the time I was 12 years old. And I actually just, uh, recently thought about like one of the things that always made me really good when I was in school and, and I'm not trying to wonder if it's, you know, the previous head injury and then the IEDs on top of it, maybe that's what hurts my concentration or whatever, or it was me drowning my head in the fucking booze, trying to suppress things. Uh, but I've gotten back into like meditation, like I used to do with karate and actually yoga. Uh, oh, nice. I'll actually, I'll even send you a couple pictures, man. And, you know, uh, basically, you know, about like, that's what I was doing. And one of the worst problems I've done in my life, and this is something I never did before. And this is where I kind of start wondering, like, you know, maybe something did happen up here. Um, is uh, I, I left a lot of crumbs behind over the last 15 years and I still haven't even cleaned them up, you know? And I'm actually, that's one of the things I've been doing recently to like better myself. And like, uh, what I mean, like getting rid of old things, like I went through like a whole bunch of old pictures and everything, scan, you know, took pictures, scanned them, whatever, burned them. Not burned them, but shredded, you know what I mean? Getting rid of old. Yeah, yeah. Get- uh, I've actually been looking into get my pilot's license. Um, nice. I do do my discovery flight next week, uh, trying to see if maybe that's another hobby or something that'll, you know, maybe can bring me some clarity or make me happy and get my mind off of things. Um, other than that, uh, uh, I did, did a little bit of yoga. Nice. Yeah. I was doing a lot of yoga prior to the pandemic and then everything shut down because it was all on base. And yeah. they're not doing in-person classes. I was doing sauna five days a week. And now mm-hmm. I've been told that that sauna will probably never open up again on base because this pandemic is ruining everything. The sauna, so, are you talking about, is that like hot yoga? No, just sitting in a sauna for oh, 20, yeah, yeah. I, I used to go to the sauna all the time and then that or a steam room. Yeah. I prefer the sauna. Steam room's a little nasty, but saunas are nice and they're just nice and hot. They're dry cleaner. Heat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's cleaner. Um, until you have old people who stink it up with their sprays. I or they've got the 80-year-old, 80-year-old man balls that drag the floor. Uh, fortunately, on base, you're required to have underwear on at least. So I don't mm-hmm. get to see old man balls. I, I know that's something that you miss from the Marines, man balls. You know it. Yes. So to to wrap this up, um, I got to find a better way of saying this. So the the podcast is called After the Battle Campfire. The the whole reasoning behind that is I I take a lot of homage to the people who went way before us who didn't have vehicles to drive back and forth. They didn't have electricity. So when they fought, they fought during the day and then camped out and had fires and sat around them and talked shit. It's kind of like what we've been doing. But the channel's called The Modern Ronin. And so my question to you, you know, knowing what a Ronin is, what's your take on, how do you see being a modern Ronin nowadays? Hmm. 
well, let's see. I'm not one of the people's brain. Um, well, re remember, not all Ronin went back to be mercenaries. A lot of them went to be farmers and serve their communities. I would, I would say, um, I would actually say one of the things I'm actually very happy about uh, after getting out of the military, uh, because I don't like some of their views on things. Uh, and then, like when I actually was thinking about becoming a police officer and you know continuing, you know, my service and everything. Uh, one thing I've noticed that's actually helped me out through some things. Uh, and if you're going to have a vice, personally, I'd rather just have, you know, a vape pen. And nice. because of my shoes to want to, and the thing, sad part is, is I can do this, but I, can, the, oh, I can't be a cop or, you know, if I, you know, like one of those kind of jobs or like being in the military, but I can drink myself to a fucking bloody pulp, kill myself by drinking. And that's totally fine. I just, I, I can only imagine if I was able to do this, what I do now, back when I was in the military, holy fuck. Like, yeah, total, total fucking different. Like, and I don't know. Well, that's yeah, good. So, I mean, I think that, I, I think that having something like that, if it helps, is very important. And I mean, I'm, I think CBD, cannabis in general is probably, once we open that up to the veterans, I think that's going to help a lot of us. Yeah. So, all right, Mason, do you have anything else you want to share? How do people find you? What do you do? Do you have any cool uh, Instagram will, photos you I, share? I, I, I will be getting back on social media. Oh, that's Very right. Soon. You kind of took a hiatus. I forgot about that. Three years. Yeah, man. Three years. Trust Three me. Years. Right now, right now in 2021 on July or January the 8th or what is it? The 9th? You don't want to be on so anywhere near social media. It is a flaming shit show. Mm. Give it, tell about March or, or April, and hopefully it'll be better. But right now it is a flaming dumpster fire. <laughs> and I think you know why. We're not going to go down that subject rabbit hole. But uh, let's just say uh, we could have Iraq 2021 here this year. I uh, put it this way. I uh, one thing I did change ever since I did come back, and and it's not because of how I handled my weapons. Maybe it's because of a couple other people. I don't know. I um I you know I don't own any of my guns anymore. I but I did buy one uh, a few years ago after the, when I was in the police academy, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna sell it. And after all this shit going on, I'm like, you know, maybe I'm gonna keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep it safe. Yeah, it's it's, but that, it's in stones. Uh, it's in stones. Gun safe. Is that a smart thing? Yeah, the only thing that you know, one thing that hasn't changed is you know we go back to two thousand six, two thousand seven, or twenty twenty one. I always got the guns, baby. <laughs> well, on that happy note, Dan, it was great talking to you again, and I'm going to go you ahead too, and turn off the uh, recording. So stand by. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin, on Twitter, at TommyChase01, and you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.